Many times we need to keep our health in check, but don't know what questions to ask or where to begin. We walk in blindly to our health care provider and walk out none the wiser and maybe even more confused than before. Can you take charge of your health and arm yourself with the questions and preparedness you need? The answer is yes. Welcome to Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs. This program will answer your questions and give you the best practices for facing your medical partner in good health. Now, here's Dr. Susan Downs. Hello, welcome to Occupy Health. This is Dr. Susan. We are concerned with our health and optimal health, but to be healthy, we need a healthy planet. We need a healthy environment. We need our democracy to be thriving and productive so we can each be the best person we can be and we can be as healthy as we can be. A healthy environment helps us be healthy. When we're healthy, we help our environment. So one question I've been wondering about is what is going on with this wokeism? I mean, it's what? I mean, mean, each time I hear something more incredible, like math is racist. What? I mean, I never thought about that when I was learning about math. So I want to inquire and look into this further. So today we have guest Kevin McGarry. He is a founder of um, Every Black Life Matters, not to be confused with Black Lives Matters. And he is an author, public speaker, facilitator, teacher, and ministry leader. He's focused on the challenge to politicos and clergy to live to the highest levels of integrity by taking an uncompromising stance toward righteousness and justice. In the arena of civil engagement, he serves as the chairman of the Frederick Douglass Foundation of California and is an executive with the Douglass Leadership Institute and a North Star Leadership PAC. He leads a collection of proactive individuals committing to develop innovative and new approaches to today's socio-political issues. With the assistance of elected officials and a myriad of community activists, he lectures and provides workshops about today's most perplexing problems. Over the past decade, he's led teams of individuals committing to developing innovative approaches to today's issues. Um, He founded Every Black Lives Matters, which is designed to counteract the emergent violence and systemic poverty in the underserved, mostly black, urban communities. Every Black Lives Matters is seen as a moral-based, faith-based alternative to Black Lives Matters. Uh, He has written a book. um, He's written the book called Woked Up, Finally Putting an Axe to the Taproot of White Supremacy and Racism in America. And um, he's uh, formed uh, training classes, etc. So this is probably very uncomfortable for especially a lot of people who are considered to be supremacists to talk about. But we need to talk about it. We need to bring these issues out in the open. And we need to work on unity and what we have in common and not the persistent attempts to divide us. So welcome, Kevin. Dr. Susan, thank you for having me. I'm such an honor to be here. Really appreciate you for having me. Well, I think it's an honor to have you here because I, I, everything I see is a problem is created, a, a totalitarian solution is provided, and everything is to, to divide us the vax versus the non vax, the uh, whites versus everyone else, uh, the old versus the young, everything is division. So I think uh, we, we need to get together and figure out how to be together. So tell us, what is Every Black Lives Matters? 
Every Black Life Matters. Um, so what, what, what we decided to start when we saw BLM and their brethren, Antifa, burning down black and brown businesses and having a good old time doing it. They're just whopping it up, partying, having a good old time, burning down black and brown businesses in a lot of our urban metropolitan areas. And, um, and then we saw a lot of pastors encouraging parishioners to go out with them and do the same. So we thought, well, this is really a strange time in history when we have people that actually enjoy fully destroying the black community, having a good old time doing it while asserting they stand for blacks and black life, and, um, and then have pastors, people of faith, clergy, encouraging their parishioners to go out and whoop it up with these uh, uh, hooligan crim- criminals who were doing this dastardly deed. So we wanted to start a, right, uh, a righteous and faithful alternative. We understand that a lot of people jo- saw George Floyd for that nine minutes and 40-some-odd seconds suffering and having a life, uh, you know, take from him. And so and there was a lot of people that were grief-stricken. They didn't quite know how to process that. Um, and so they just wanted to do anything in support of an organization that would be purportedly standing up for black life. And so, you know, um, uh, we, we knew a lot of people were like that. But then when people started to look at BLM and the fact that they're Marxist and they're, they're hateful and they're uh, obviously criminal and looting and everything else, um, we, we wanted to be an alternative to that. So we, we, we figured we'd stay in the exact same lane. Um, you know, where every black life matters. So even before anybody could stand up and say black lives matter generally, in order for them to do that with any sort of uh, comportment, they would have to believe that every single black life matters specifically. And if they don't, then they're hypocrites. So we felt that, you know, this allows us to take the upper hand. Now, some of your listeners may think, well, why didn't you just say all lives matter and every life matters? We do get that question periodically, and, and our answer is always the same. That is exactly what we're saying. All lives matter. Every life matters. God is not a respecter of person, so we should, we should want and respect every single life to come forth. Now, we are every black life matters, though, as a, as a moniker. You look at that and you say, well, it doesn't sound like you're saying every black or all lives matter. It sounds like it's further dividing. We say, no, that's the furthest from the truth. In reality, when Margaret Sanger said, look, she's the founder of Planned Parenthood, by the way, and, and when she said, look, we're going to uh, thoroughly exterminate the Negro population, she didn't say we're going to exterminate blacks and Hispanics or blacks and Asians or blacks and Native Americans. She said we're going to exterminate blacks. So with that in mind, when you look at the current statistics and blacks are being born at a uh, has a reproductive rate far less than any other ethnicity, and it's because of the specific strategic strategic targeting of Planned Parenthood in black and brown communities within walking distance. We got ninety percent of all Planned Parenthoods across the country within walking distance of black and brown communities. So therefore, you got a you know much lower birth rate. So essentially, what we're saying is all lives matter. So stop targeting blacks for extermination, move your abortuaries out of these black and brown communities, 
and allow blacks to thrive at the very least at the same level that everybody else does. So that's why we, we, what we're standing for and what our model stands for is all lives matter. Every lives matter. So stop targeting. So, um, so anyway, that's, uh, that's, that's where that came from. And, uh, We've been uh, very happy with uh, a lot of uh, folks supporting us, and we do a lot, like you said, we do a lot of trainings. We're now getting into training and certification for racial unity and and diversity and and those types of things. But we're doing it from a perspective uh, that makes sense, not from a perspective of dividing workforces and causing more derision and hate and distrust. So. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what we're doing. Well, it's funny because, like, uh, All Lives Matters, uh, I mean, when somebody says that, I mean, I think they're immediately labeled as a racist, and somebody put it up at Facebook, and it was taken down, and people are reprimanded for saying that. Um, it's just kind of strange. I do believe, you know, that we all are the same, you know, that, you know, we should all kind of want the same things. So what is Black Lives Matters? What were they founded on? They were founded on Marxism. They are they were beating their chest when they first started, saying, "Look, we're revolutionary Marxists," and um, they were saying that we, uh, you know, we're Marxist revolutionaries. And uh, um, they were really opportunists, though. I mean, you know, let's face it, they were looking for any and every uh, police brutality incident and ginning up a lot of angst and. Um, and hate in order to try to, you know, just get additional um, contributions, donations. Uh, unfortunately, for the entire of America, including all of our sports teams, and a gross majority, dare I say, of our businesses, the corporations, uh, they fell for it. And so BLM had over $100 million, apparently, and squandered, from what we can tell, um, uh, gross majority of it on, you know, houses and, and uh, mansions and family, uh, friends, and, you know, those types of things. So they, they'll, they'll have to suffer the consequences for their malfeasance and fraud, if any. But we're glad to be here as the righteous and faithful alternative to, uh, to that organization. Seems strange to me that mansions and palaces fits in with Marxism ideology. Uh, I found a tape that somebody who claimed to be one of the founding fathers of Black Lives Matters was warning people that the Clintons and the Democrats have co-opted it with the goal of creating civil disturbance. That's interesting, but that was taken off my Facebook page. I wonder why. Uh, what's Antifa and who runs Antifa? Well, Antifa is, uh, it's a short, it's a, you know, I guess it's uh, truncated. Uh, they're supposed to be anti-fascist. But if you look at their tactics, they are completely fascist. These people are the old school Nazis, found uh, shirts. I mean, these people are just horrible, horrible terrorists. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and they go around and they basically look to, uh, you know, abuse anyone and everyone who dissents from hardcore Marxism and communism. So they are communist agitators is what I like to call them. Cause that's what, and, and they would, you know, that's not a pejorative for them. I mean, they, they love the idea of communism. So, um, 
that's that's really who they are, and they'll they'll go around to any community to any disturbance and really cause a ruckus. Just uh, two days ago, they tried to burn down a training center in Atlanta, and I think they did largely, uh, you know, get that center run down or shut down for at least a period of time until repairs can be done. Um, and they set it aflame, and we had like 24 people who were arrested, and, and you know, in conjunction with that domestic terror event. But they are uh, wretched people, mostly all white, mostly all living in suburbia, and just wanting to go out and agitate and, and act, you know, do I guess produce activism on behalf of Marxism and communism. Yeah, all but one of them were from other states, and one was from France, and one of them was a Southern Law Organization lawyer. Um, And so they're not even from the communities that they're disrupting. Exactly. And so my thing is, I call them, if you want to see a white supremacist, just look at Antifa. That's what they are. They are living in the suburbs. Hear me out. They're living in the suburbs. They're making good money. But they come to black and brown communities to tear up those communities and burn down black and brown businesses. So that is the quintessential white supremacist. If they were, if they really wanted to agitate and uh, burn down buildings, uh, you do it in your own community. Do it in suburbia. Why you got to come to black and brown communities? They're already suffering with, you know, a lack of. Uh, a lot of them are food deserts. A lot of them really don't have good, you know, grocery stores. And you, you're, you're going there to burn down whatever is there left. I mean, burn down your own community. Yeah, you went out for about 30 seconds. But, yeah, I mean, there's been like over 570 riots and, you know, uh, and buildings burning and people being killed and cop cars burning. I mean, in Chicago, in eight hours, there's $100 million of looting and... Uh, I mean, is this acceptable to our government? I think it was March. Yes, uh, uh, the Georgia Senate, the Georgia Congresswoman is uh, putting that bill up today to call Antifa yeah. domestic terrorism. Marjorie Taylor Greene is her name. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And and we need them. They should have been designated years ago, um, at least three years ago, when they were doing all the George Floyd. Uh, rioting along with BLM and, and burning up communities. Both BLM and Antifa should be designated as domestic terrorist organizations, quite honestly. All of the looting, all of the uh, rioting, all of the burning down of businesses, all of the uh, hatred and vitriol directed at whites, um, it's, it's just terrible what these organizations have done to divide America. And they should be held accountable. But, you know, Hopefully we'll start with Antifa and then somebody will go back and grow a spine and then we'll be able to get BLM in there as well. Yes, that would be great. So what is woke? Woke is really, um, it's one of those uh, amorphous terms that, that they continue to sort of expand and sort of keep nebulous because they want to be able to continue to sort of add to it. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is, essentially, it's supposed to be uh, indicative of people that are really sensitive to injustices and insensitive 
to racial or really sensitive to racial plight. So, again, it's supposed to be indicative of whether you are truly sensitive, truly sensitive to um, to uh, injustices and whether you are truly sensitive to racial plight. Now, for those who are not sensitive to those things, um, they would say, well, you're not, obviously you're not woke. You still need to be, you know, um, gain perspective. But but it, it's gone beyond racial and, and sensitivity and sensitivities and that to now include, well, you're not woke if you don't believe in the green movement, you know, the radical environmentalist stuff. You're not woke if you don't believe in the trans movement, the, you know, gender dysphoria stuff. You're not woke if you, uh, and so they're just adding all this additional stuff to it. And, uh, or you're not woke if you don't believe that the government should be responsible for, you know, paying us reparations or whatever. I mean, it's, it's just, so, so they keep it nebulous because they want to continue to add to the definition and sort of continue to try to claim the high ground on it. Uh, essentially, it is what is destroying America from the inside out. It is the mechanism that is uh, corrosive and wholly destructive uh, as it relates to our interpersonal relationships one to another. Uh, it is what's building distrust um, in, you know, in the various communities uh, one to another. So it, it, wokeism is the force that is, uh, I would call it a demonic force or a, um, a satanic force that is really hell-bent, literally, on fundamentally destroying individuals, communities, and nations. I agree. I've noticed some strange things, like here in California, five years ago, there or more, there's a document about microaggressions, that if you say a man's equal to a woman, or all people are equal, or all people have an equal chance, that's a microaggression, and that can be reported to the boss. Uh, there was some survey that, and this was discussed in the Senate, that 35% of people under, you know, younger folks believe the First Amendment is dangerous because it might hurt somebody's feelings. I mean, uh, worried about their feelings? How can we have free speech? So um, anyway, so this has been permeating our society to the point of view that if, if somebody's feelings are hurt, we're responsible for it. Hmm. Strange. Exactly. It's got us to depend much more on emotions rather than principles and pragmatism. So emotions now rule the day. Think about it. It was emotions that drove the January 6th committee and the, and the, uh, the past house to gin up these false stories. Now that we know we've seen the uh, tapes, we have the receipts now, we know that these people were trying to inflame America, and, and they made up this, all of this, uh, or a lot of these uh, charges against the president, against other Congress people, against uh, some of the participants in the J6. Um, 
It's just terrible, but it's it's emotions that they're thriving on, not principles, not pragmatism, not facts, not logic, not rationality. It's emotions that are now ruling the day. That's not logical. We all have emotions. Right, <laughs> right. And, and and a lot of times, if you really think about it, you I mean you, you know, who am I? I mean you're a doctor, so you know more than anybody else. But if you really think about it, a lot of times our emotions betray us. Our emotions can be dangerous. If we just ran our lives off of emotions, man, I tell you what, a lot of us would be in jail. A lot of us would go have gone crazy. I mean, um, it's 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 dangerous to uh, to really rely on emotions to be you know really the fact. The, your fact basis for uh, for taking actions, Civil. and uh, unfortunately, that's that's where we are with the woke movement and a lot of uh, a lot of what we're seeing today. Civil uh, society depends on us uh, having some control over our emotions. If we moated all over the place, good lord, I wouldn't want to leave my house. But it seems like woke—they're well, very yeah. intent on making others feel guilty. And a, a condemnation of anyone who dissents. And it sounds like censorship to me. I mean, our First Amendment rights are being taken away. Yeah, guilt, condemnation, shame. These are the types of things, the uh, you know, types of feelings that the woke movement is trying to project on other people. Okay? So, really, anybody that doesn't fall in with... Uh, with the woke, you know, with proclaiming that you're woke, uh, they will cancel you, they'll dox you, they'll do all kinds of things. But they're trying to really force us and pressure us into feeling guilt, shame, and condemnation. So we would come to our own contrition and say, okay, 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 I'm woke with you. Now the problem is, is wokeism is literally rooted in the very thing that they're, you know, projecting that others are, you know, projecting to others that they are. Uh, the woke movement is a racist movement. The woke movement is a white supremacist movement, and it's inescapable. I've done the work. I've done the book. I've got it all out. I've connected the dots. It's real clear where this all comes from. And it's uh, destructive, corrosive, and racist and supremacist at the same time. So it's, it's, just, it's just horrible that we have so many people that are really manipulated and uh, and falling into the woke movement as a result of pressure, cultural pressure, and without thinking critically about, well, what is this really all about? <laughs> what am I signing up for? Well, wokeism's not new, is it? Well, no, it's not new. It's been around for a while. Um, but what really has put it in hyperdrive is, the George Floyd incident of a few years ago, all right? Um, because then, from there, you got critical race theory that comes out of that. Now, all of these things are sort of under the umbrella of wokeism, right? So you got CRT, then you have DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion. And then you have ESG, environmental, social governance. governance. And so you have all of these movements that have come out of wokeism, so to speak, um, and and they've been on hyperdrive because of these, you know, these horrible, regrettable incidents. Like the George Floyd incident was regrettable, uh, but it, you know, it was 
you know, what it was. And it really was the flashpoint for allowing others to really take the bull by the horn and then gin up emotions and outrage and, and actions and activities that would really be fertile ground for critical race theory being taught in, in, at all levels and especially in our uh, grade schools. And, um, and then now DEI has been overlaid by virtue of uh, Biden's edicts. DEI is now overlaid to all of government, along with actual measurements. So in other words, he wants all of the divisions of government to be able to confirm that they've fully implemented equity and that they have, uh, in essence, allowed uh, people to be promoted based on equity, quote unquote. So this is this is the kind of thing that you get when you get these these horrible flashpoints, and you get diabolical people wanting to take full advantage of the sensitivities of others, and people who are easily manipulated. They they just fall in. They just go. Yeah, equity. I mean, to me. I mean, I thought this country was, we've got the right to pursue happiness. We've got the right to work hard and see what happens. Of course, we don't have control over the outcome, just control over how we react to it. But meritocracy always sounded pretty good to me. But when I look at the TV and an FAA uh, manager, you know, head of FAA candidate doesn't know anything about airplanes and a Supreme Court justice candidate can't define a woman, uh, and then uh, the Department of Transportation leader Buttigieg. I mean, he's nowhere. I mean, we we've had, we have like a, a plane near miss like almost every other day. Uh, Buttigieg said we've got a thousand derailments per year on our railroads. Uh, p- pilots are you know you know. I mean, this guy uh, Josh Yoder was talking. An American airline pilot was talking how a lot of. Um, you know, pilots are, you know, having heart attacks, you know, in flight. And, and then there's a movement to have only one pilot. I mean, it's just like everything is falling apart. It's like all the decisions are helping us fall apart to stop our energy production, to interfere with our food production. All of, a lot of food producing places are burning mysteriously. Holland, uh, you know, wanted to stop 3,000 farms because of cow farts. Now they want to appropriate a lot of farms. I mean, it looks like uh, our food supply is being deliberately tampered with, our, our energy tampered with, inflation's a predictable result of the uh, inflation bills that were pushed through Congress. I mean, what is going on? It's outrageous what's going on. As you said, you know, we have all of these appointees in this administration, Joey's administration. Um, you look at the FAA appointee, you look at uh, Buttigieg, you look at the uh, Supreme Court, you look at uh, his press secretary, who has a hard time stringing together, you know, two sentences. Uh, you, you realize that these people aren't really there based on core competencies or skill sets or expertise. They're there because of identity. There's other factors of identity. They're either um, transgender or, or uh, homosexual lesbian or, um, you know, they're, they're black or, you know, these appointees are there because of identity. It's, it's pure identity politics. And 
this administration are not they're they're not serious. These 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 roles these people have to play are highly skilled, highly masterful roles that need to be carried out. And if you don't have masterful people with real intellect in these in these skill positions, you're going to have really what we have, which is a train wreck pretty much every day. We have literal and then, uh, you know, we have train wrecks that are, uh, are not so literal. It's just the, the, the administration itself is a train wreck. So it's analogous to a train wreck every single day with this administration, and it's because of the lack of competency. So just imagine then we start to build bridges this way, uh, engineers. We start to put, you know, incompetent engineers who may not have taken math because they, they, they heard that math was racist, who may not have taken physics because physics they hear was racist, and then now they're engineering bridges or they're engineering parts for aircrafts or they're engineering cars or they're engineering streets. Could you imagine? Uh, you know, putting, uh, you know, a, a, you know, a cadre of people uh, in various positions throughout our civil society without having the skill set or competencies needed in order for those, those positions to really carry out their duty. Uh, well, we see it right now. It's a microcosm of what can and will happen unless we stop the madness. DEI is madness. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King gave us a firm admonition and exhortation that we should begin to judge one another, not based on the color of skin, but based on content of character. And that served us actually quite well to date. But now we're giving up on meritocracy. We're going in with uh, this whole equity position, which has nothing to do with merit and has everything to do with identity. And that's a huge problem for civil society. Do you think there's an ultimate goal to all of this? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Here's the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is collapse America as quickly as possible by either bankrupting us. You see, we, we cut, you know, Ukraine a, a billion dollars practically every day to do their... Uh, to wage their war in Russia. So billions and billions and billions are going out the door. Trillions, actually, trillions. Uh, I, I wish it were billions, but now we're in the trillions. So trillions are being overspent. So they're trying to either collapse us that way or collapse us by way of chaos in the streets to where then we can't survive without a global, uh, you know, like the World Economic Forum doing a global reset and then fully enveloping the United States as part of this sort of global governance. And so that's what they're, you know, I, I honestly firmly believe that these people, uh, these moves are, are calculated and strategic. Some of them. Some of them are purely incompetent, but the majority of them, this is Obama's third term. He's thought about it. He understands how to collapse it. Uh, Soros understands how to collapse it. So they're, you know, they're behind the curtain and they're pulling all the strings to try to get this thing to collapse as quickly as possible. Mm. Yeah, COVID seemed to fit into that. I mean, uh, the lockdowns have destroyed so many small businesses, which makes them more dependent on the government, which gives the government more control. 
um, in my movie, Something Ain't Right, um, I talked to a lot of people who were successfully treating COVID in the early stages, and they didn't have deaths and stuff. And if they allowed these early treatments, we could have saved 80% of the deaths. The EUA, under which Biden is promulgating all of this, would have been illegal because there were existing treatments. We would not have had lockdowns. We would not have had mandates. But this went on in every country. It wasn't just a quirk in the U.S. here. And I actually found footage where um, Fauci and Bright were planning this in 2019. Uh, you know, let's. how do we mandate vaccines? They take 10 years to develop. Oh, I've got an idea. Let's go get a, um, a virus from China. Let's spread it in several cities, take the RNA, and now we can mandate. I sent that to Senator Johnson and he responded on a cell phone on a Sunday, but I mean, something, it's just strange. Every single country doing the same thing, and that's starting to destroy all the economies. Now, the Netherlands are trying to appropriate farmland, and, you know, that's going to hurt the food supply. Um, and everybody's so concerned about car, cow farts and gas stoves. But what about what happened in East Palestine? Oh, that's okay. That's not a problem. I mean, and the, you know, the electric cars, I mean, the batteries and placing them, you know, what to do with them is a bigger environmental hazard than a lot of things. And the windmills apparently are adversely affecting the whales. I mean, it's just somebody's not looking at the consequences or the whole picture here. Absolutely. So we have environmental disaster after environmental disaster that's happening worldwide. Our hair on fire radical environmentalists that assured us within the next seven years, this was according to AOC seven years ago, she assured us the, that uh, the world would end if we didn't curb carbon emissions. Well, we're already, you know, at her timeline and the world still continues. And we have reduced some carbons, but, you know, it hasn't been the quantum change that they all wanted. The reality is these people are trying to take over every aspect of our lives, and they're using climate, they're using chaos in the streets, they're using now digital currencies that they want to hurry up and get out on, on there. And then, to your point, they're using the World Health Organization, who, uh, undermining, fully undermining our Constitution and subordinating our Constitution to uh, the World Health Organization. So these people are, you know, are really pushing us quickly to the point where we would implode one way or another. And uh, everything that they do, to your point, though, doctor, is, is completely hypocritical. I mean, you know, you see what's happened with, uh, you know, in Ohio, and any environmentalist would tell you, yeah, those were volatile chemicals, but... You don't make a mushroom cloud out of these chemicals. Come on, this is an environmental disaster. It's probably one of the worst in U.S. history. And uh, if you burn it like this, it's just not going to be good for the people here or for the U.S. And yet, they they did that quickly. You see how quickly that happened? I mean, that was like the same day. It was amazing. Um, then you have uh, people coming to the United States from all over the world through our poorest borders in the north and south. And these people are leaving behind them tons, multiple tens of tons of garbage, of sewage, of human uh, life, uh, 
you know, being wrecked and, you know, trafficked. And, and yet the environmentalists love it. They, they applaud it. They applaud it all. They applaud the, uh, the, the, the mushroom cloud over Ohio. They applaud the uh, open borders and all of the, the garbage and sewage and carnage that that brings. They applaud the, uh, the windmills that are killing our bald eagles. They applaud uh, the uh, EVs that now we don't have enough energy in the summer and here in California. Um, we had Gavin pleading with us, oh, don't put your EV on the charger tonight because we're going to overload the uh, grid and we won't have enough energy. I mean, it, it's unbelievable what these people are doing, and they applaud it all the way. And it's nonsensical and illogical in most all ways, if you actually look at it principally. Wow, that's pretty scary. Uh, anyway, uh, what is your approach when you, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, I, we have to agree that there's been racism, uh, obviously. I mean, look at Tuskegee experiments. I mean, look at who gets arrested more. I mean, there's discrimination. I mean, we have. That that is real, but what is your uh, proposal to you know help so we can address the issues of racism and the things that are gone bad, and uh, what do we do to help bring people together and help start to turn this around? That's a good question. So uh, let's talk about that. I mean, you've read my uh, last book. This is the fifth book that I've written. It's called Woke Up. And the subtitle was finally putting an axe to the taproot of white supremacy and racism in America. So one of the main takeaways from that book is to really put in proper perspective uh, racism and white supremacy. Where does it come from? How did it start? Who started it? Why is it here? Why is it impacting us the way it is right now? Uh, and, and after we get that level set, then we can begin to do something about it. So here's the deal. Um, what I clearly confirm in the book is literally wokeism is rooted in white supremacy and racism. And they cannot escape it. This is just this is the history. This is just where it comes from. This is what it is. This is how it's done. So uh, I start with, uh, you know, every wokester would readily identify as being Marxist. I mean, this is part of, you know, that's just what it is. I mean, no, nobody would disagree with that. And then when you look at Marx's background, you look at his history, you look at his mentor, that would have been Charles Darwin. And you look at Darwin's work, it's clear that uh, white supremacy and racism are what ruled the day for both Darwin and Marx and Engels. And it's not, like I said, I mean, I, I, I wish it were disputable. I'd, I'd get a lot more panel discussions on it, but nobody wants to take me up on it because the facts are the facts. I mean... <laughs> This is their words. This is what they said. This is what they did. I, I mean, you can't, you can't miss words about it. When Darwin, in his second book, The Descent of Man, goes into detail, and he characterizes blacks as apes, gorillas, and savages, but first and foremost as subhuman, still trying to climb his evolutionary scale that he laid out, then you know, clearly, he was supremacist and racist, right? When you look at the fact that uh, he declared that all whites, Caucasians, Europeans, Aryans, if you will, are they've plateaued, uh, fully evolved. Um, they're uh, much more resourceful, intellectual, et cetera, et cetera. Then there's clear distinction between races. Now, prior to Darwin making these proclamations, people didn't see 
various people from other parts of the world in, in such a profound way. There was just no distinction for it. But when Darwin made these proclamations, he was a renowned scientist, well-respected, and he made an anthropological and ontological distinction about race that had never existed in human uh, and, and prior and, and prior human existence. So literally, Charles Robert Darwin is the taproot. He is the main, uh, you know, artery, if you will, of white supremacy in our modern day context and racism in our modern day context. Now, I know you have a lot of doctor friends, doctor, you have a lot of, you know, I mean, you may have scientists, you may have people that, you know, believe and extol the virtues of Darwin. The reality is, is he said what he said, and he did what he did. I can't change it. That's just, the man was just a horrendous, uh, you know, person in our in our history. Now, did he actually provide any scientific breakthroughs or anything that was redeemable that he did? I'm sure he did. I'm sure he was a brilliant man. He had some great thoughts. But what he did about white supremacy and racism is inexcusable, in my opinion. And so anybody who thoroughly embraces Darwin and therefore thoroughly embraces Marx, they must be called to the table. And they must be challenged on why would you embrace a guy like Marx who said this about blacks, who said this about Cubans, who said this about Jews, who was a modern-day uh, sex slave before there was even such a distinction? He had, uh, you know, a sex slave in his house, woman who had uh, slaved over he and his family for decades, and he didn't pay her a plug nickel and had the audacity to have a, you know, ex- extramarital affair with her throughout that multi-decade uh, experience, and then fathered a child buyer. So, I mean, these people are utterly despicable and racist and supremacist, and I prove it in that book. I would encourage your listeners, please go out and get the book. You'll see. I mean, you know, we need a way to start to talk about these things and start to wake up the wokesters, right? Because the wokesters are in a stupor. A lot of them are just going on with uh, the pressures of culture. They have no idea they embrace, uh, you know, what they embrace from a uh, uh, theological or, you know, a, you know, a, a theoretical point of view. They have no idea what really drives wokeism. And, they, you know, we need to become more abreast or more adept at really understanding the history of this thing and then breaking it down to our friends, families, Kids, grandkids, whoever else would would want to point the finger and call us white supremacists or racists or whatever. Uh, we need to help help them to understand really what what what's going on here. How do we do that? You do that by getting the book and reading the book, and and then and so so I'm not just trying to uh, okay. But let, let's face it, I'm not trying to sell books here. But here's the thing: um, I've had a renowned historian, William Federer, who read the book. And he says, Kevin, look, I write about Marx and and Charles Darwin all the time. And he does in the American Minute. And he says, but I have never had the dots connected like this. I never put it together that this is how, you know, their backgrounds, their thought process, how all of this thing came to be. So the point is, is that we must become aware and educated about what it is 
we're really, you know, trying to combat. Only then will we have enough uh, confidence to stand up to the woke ways and help them to understand that, look, what you're doing here is really, you know, it's, it's, it's exactly what you're pointing the finger at me and doing. You're literally a white supremacist and racist because you, you thoroughly, you're a Marxist revolutionary. That, by definition, uh, makes you a white supremacist and racist. Now, you don't understand it. Let me give it to you. This is what Marx said here. This is what Darwin said here. This is what Marx and Darwin did here. This is how they all connect. This is a, so this is, this, is, this is how we, have, we, we need the facts in order to break down these things for people who are around us who are right now thoroughly deceived. How do we do this if our government is running it? Well, so the other thing that, uh, that I'm doing now is I'm writing a book on DEI. And that book is going to be very, very useful in helping us to have proper principles and context around uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and how to stay away from the pitfalls of, of that really horrific uh, you know, the, the, those horrific thought processes. Um, but the bottom line is, is if the government is, is doing what they're doing and they're forcing it on our education system, they're enforcing it on our, all of our government, uh, you know, agencies and et cetera, uh, the first thing that we need to do as, a, as an independent individual, we need to, first of all, become educated. Second of all, we need to become uh, more activists in our approach when it comes to school boards and um, our local city councils. Because, believe it or not, we have a lot of Marxists throughout the school system and throughout our city councils, our city governance, that really need to understand the facts as well. So we can start there. As it, as it relates to um, how do we really combat this at a federal level, that's going to take a lot of seasoning, if you will, of, of senators and uh, representatives to really understand what this stuff is and how diabolical and corrosive it is and how to get a better perspective. Now, I, I was at CPAC last week. I met, uh, see, I've given this book to probably seven Congress people and three, four, five senators. And um, I think one presidential candidate. The more people can can read and understand what this thing is really all about, the better chance we'll have at the higher levels of overcoming it. We do need a change in our government, and 2024 is going to be our next best chance to get there. I don't know the outcome of that. I mean, we still have a, a lot of these systems out there that are running our voting apparatus across these states, and some of them are still suspect as it relates to uh, ballot harvesting and some of the other things with illegals voting, dead people voting, uh, grandparents voting, people who died in the early 1800s voting. I mean, we need to clean up all this stuff and, and close all the loopholes and finally hear the voice the real voice of the American people. Um, but I think 
when we start to clean these things up, and I'm, I'm seeing more and more every day that these systems are being improved and cleaned up, that I'm, I'm growing uh, out of the despair for 2024 and growing into some level of expectation for 2024. When we get thoughtful people in positions of power again, uh, then they can start to roll back these things at the, at the higher levels, the federal and all that. But right now at a local level, we can make a huge impact by just becoming educated ourselves, just helping other people around us to become educated on this stuff, and then start to take a more active role with our, our school boards and city councils. Aren't a lot of our elected officials at all levels, I mean, at least Congress on up, bought? Are they bought and paid by the CCP? A lot of them absolutely are, and uh, a lot of them are absolute cart-carrying commies right now. Well, also absolutely. by Soros, it doesn't have to be the CCP. Uh, yeah, yeah, true, true. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a lot of them are, you know, they would self-identify, a lot of them, uh, as socialists, Marxist, communists. And so... That is a corrosive, uh, you know, it's a zero-sum game. When you enter the Marxist game, it's a zero-sum for us. I mean, it's, there's no upside on that thing. Uh, other than we, we have to identify these people who are not truly, um, you know, constitutionalists. And we have to vote them out of office. We, we just have to do our part. And I know that's an uphill battle, especially for us here in California, when we got you know, ballot harvesting and uh, COVID rules and perpetuity for a ballot going to every single address, even if those, you know, large apartment buildings have been destroyed decades ago, you still get a bundle of of those ballots going there. And the various people know that and they go there and they harvest those and put, you know, names on it and all that. So uh, we have a, we have a heavy lift here in California, but other states... Uh, we're hoping to get bailed out by other states in the sense that they, you know, they can be more true to form and uh, keep us in the game a little bit longer. Because right now, boy, we're hurting. Yeah, I mean, Cong- uh, Congressman Adam Schiff is running in California, and he's the one that censored my first film on nutrition. Uh, you know, he had Jeff Bezos remove 80 documentaries from Amazon Prime. Can't let Americans know about nutrition. That's not allowed. But what in your book on DEI, what are you going to address? I'm going to address, uh, you know, where it came from and how do we properly think about it. I'm going to address the fact that if we, this equity conversation is a ridiculous conversation. It's a conversation for adolescents, for emotional people who are relatively unhinged and uh, still not really fully developed in their mental faculties. In other words, equity is a conversation for people who can't compete on merit, who are adolescent in their thinking, and, um, and, and are always uh, looking for undignified ways to get ahead. Uh, basically, I'm positioning equity as um, if you are an equity advocate, you are, you know, sort. you're the problem. You're the unhinged. You're the, you're the antithetical. You're the adolescent. You're the mental case. 
is what you are. I mean, you know, and I wish it were different, but that's, that's what it is. Even even uh, crazy, you know, Bernie, the socialist, he says, look, uh, he was just on Mar a couple of days ago, and he made this point. He says, look, no, um, we want equality of opportunity. Yes. We don't want the normalization of outcomes. He says, that's, that's ridiculous. We, we can't run a civil society Bernie always had a lot of good things to say from my point of view. It's just none of his solutions in my point of view would have worked because you take all the resources that exist, it wouldn't pay for one of his programs. But he always, to me, had clear thinking about what was going on. But anyway, yeah. uh, it's surprising yeah. they don't cancel you. Cancel me? Yeah. I mean, you're saying well, things Well, I that- mean, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a black man, so I... I- I meet one of their checkoffs, and I'm a big black man, so I, uh, I'm, you know, people on the uh, the other side, they're a little bit cowardice when it comes to people that have a little bit of uh, girth and stamina about them. So, um, and you're also and, a pastor. And, and, I have a church. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the other thing. I, I do minister and all of that. So, you know, and and I'm not saying anything really that is. You know, that is not true. I mean, uh, I'm not just being inflammatory for inflammatory purposes. I'm just speaking truth and standing on truth and expecting that that we all uh, do that. And so there's really nothing to cancel here. I mean, you know, if I were uh, spreading lies or untruths or, you know, like that, then I could see it. But, no, I haven't, haven't been canceled yet. And I, I thank God for that. Um, uh, but I just think also that I'm not, you know, it's hard for people to really argue against what I'm talking about. I mean, it's just. It's, well, just God bless because you can do what I, as a white person, cannot do. We've got only two minutes left. Is there any final parting word or any way that for people to get a hold of you that you would like to mention to the public? Yeah, so. Um, I would encourage people to go to our website, find out more about us, support support us, pray for us. We are out there at the tip of the spring culture. We're doing everything we can to stand up for our children, uh, to stand up for our communities, stand up for truth and righteousness. So the website is everyblm.com, everyblm.com. You can also go to my YouTube channel, which is Y'all Woke Up. Y'all Woke Up University on YouTube. Just subscribe to that. I have over... How do you spell I have over 400. How do you sp- how do you spell that website or that YouTube? Y A L L, woke up W O K E D U P on YouTube, and have uh, about 400 videos, one minute uh, current event news type videos, mostly humorous, but uh, providing you with a real update as to what's going on there. And then uh, get the book, woke up, uh, get the book on Amazon. You get in about two days. It's well worth the read. It's everything you need in order to educate yourself and start to educate your family and community. So it is a must read, in my opinion. And, uh, and you know, you can start there and then we could and reach out to us. Be glad to provide any additional information or training information or anything else you need. Well, I really want to thank you because you're in a position to do what people with lighter skin tone cannot do. Uh, yeah, we'd be shot down immediately. So you are, uh, you know, blessed with uh, 
the opportunity to help out and help, you know, save our constitution, our constitutional rights, our freedom of speech. I mean, the constitution is being destroyed, especially if this WHO treaty goes through that we have no choice about anything and we have to bow to mother WHO or else. I mean, you know, and Biden just can't wait to sign this thing. He tried to even make it worse, but African nations said, no, we, no, we don't want this. So you're in a position to do something. So let us all know how we can help you, because I think our country and our democracy are worth saving. So Absolutely. I, please, please get so the message, book and please go to the website and support us. Yes. So message to the listener, share this word, tell people, you know, how we can, you know, fight back, how we can preserve our freedom of speech and constitutional rights. And above all, be well. Thank you for listening. Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Here's to better health for you this week. We